You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, New York Giants fans, and welcome to your Valentine's Views podcast for Monday, January 16. We are celebrating today as the Giants defeated the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday, 31-24. The Giants' first playoff victory in nearly 11 years. An inspiring back-and-forth crazy football game on the road in Minneapolis. Game that... uh, that was just back and forth and, and crazy right down to the last minute and a half or so. And here to help me uh, talk about that, break it down, celebrate uh, a little bit is uh, Tony Del Genio of Big Blue View. Good morning, Tony. How are you? I'm doing great. How could I not be doing great this morning? I hear, I hear you. I hear you. You know what? Uh, I was writing and writing and writing last night. And at some point I said, you know, I have a ton of other things to do, but I have to get some sleep. And I, I crashed and, and slept for, for six hours or so. Um, it, if I know you, you probably tossed and turned and, and, and had a hard time getting to sleep. I did night. not, I did not get a whole lot of sleep last night. I was, uh, <laughs> and I, I saw, I saw on Twitter this morning, uh, uh, one of the uh, another uh, Twitter person who who does podcasts uh, about the Giants, uh, I think, tweeted that he was like up late last night in the middle of the night because NFL Network was rerunning the game and he had to sit through and watch it all over again. <laughs> and maybe if I'd known that, I would have been doing oh, the same thing. I, 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 I am not that crazy, but when it when it got to when it got to about midnight last night, I was still staring at the at, at a mountain of work that that had to get done, and I was like. This work is not going to get done unless I get some sleep first. Mm-hmm. It's not going to get done in any sort of representative fashion un- unless I get a few hours of, of shut eye. So that's what I did. Anyway, you wake up this morning, Tony, and it's still real. The Giants won a playoff game for the first time in almost 11 full years. And Daniel Jones played like a real quarterback. Oh, he sure did. He, I mean, I think he played like more than a real quarterback. He, he played, he played like, I thought he played like an, I don't want to say unique quarterback. That's maybe too strong a term, but I, I think there are not a whole lot of other quarterbacks in the NFL right now who could play the way that he did, the specific way that he did last night. Yeah, that is probably true. And it's, he, he made, a lot of really good decisions. He made a lot of really big time throws. He ran the ball effectively. And, and Daniel Jones is a different kind of runner than, than your Kyler Murray, than your Russell Wilson was in his prime. Then, then Lamar Jackson is now he's a different kind of runner than a lot of quarterbacks. He makes good decisions about when to go. 
and he's not afraid to throw a stiff arm, throw a shoulder when he needs to. And one of these days, that's going to get him hurt. Yeah. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. One of these days, that's going to get him hurt. But in in big spots, in big situations, you love to see your quarterback, your team leader compete and, and be willing to put it on the line. Yeah. Well, you know, the knock on Daniel Jones, one of the knocks on Daniel Jones has always been that he couldn't get through a full season without getting injured. Uh, and he's never played a full season in the NFL. And actually, he still hasn't played a full season in the NFL. But this year, it wasn't because he got hurt. It was because the Giants had clinched and they could afford to sit him out the last game. And, the, you know, it. it uh, I mean, he's a big, strong guy. And you do wish that he might go down a little sooner and not not open himself up to to as many possible hits as as he takes but on the other hand i think he's a at least from the outside i think he's a very inspirational figure to the rest of the guys on the team absolutely and i think part of that is because of what uh what he and the giants have dealt with in his first three years the criticism that he's taken but the way that he has approached his job and i almost hate to admit this but I do watch WWE <laughs> and I do know who Roman Reigns is. <laughs> and I do know, I don't, I don't know if you do Tony, but you know, Roman Reigns is the, is the WWE champ and his big catchphrase is acknowledge me. Mm -hmm. And I think that even the doubters, I couldn't help thinking about it last night, the doubters of Daniel Jones, the guys that have, have been all over him for years and said the Giants were wrong to draft him and he'll never amount to, you know, to being a top half of the NFL, a top 10 type quarterback. The doubters, everyone has to acknowledge what Daniel Jones did yesterday and what he has become for this football team. He's still not Patrick Mahomes, but he is a winning NFL quarterback he can do and has done this year all of the things that the Giants have needed him to do I think people just need to acknowledge that that he's not the the joke or the meme that he might have been two years ago well, one of the one of the funnier things on on Twitter these days, if you go around and and and, and looking for it, uh, is there's a Daniel Jones apology form that you can get on Twitter if you just if you just uh, search search for that that you can go in and it lists about eight or nine different things that you can check that you want to apologize to Daniel Jones for, and it's actually it's actually pretty funny, but it's but it's we, very much right on the mark. Tony, we actually, we should dig that up and we actually should do a story on that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we actually should post that as a, uh, as a, as a quick hit story. That's, that's pretty funny, but you know, obviously let's not put Daniel Jones in the hall of fame. Let's, let's not overstate it. But as I wrote on Sunday night, the debate, about whether or not Daniel Jones can play and the debate about whether or not Daniel Jones should be the Giants quarterback going forward after this season, that debate's over. The, the only debate, the only debate is how big Daniel Jones bank account is going to be. <laughs> really? I think, uh, and that's going to be a really interesting question 
in the off season because uh, uh, Joe Shane is going to have to figure out how to bring back Daniel Jones, uh, how to keep Dexter Lawrence on uh, after. I mean, I mean, fortunately they picked up his fifth year option. So they, they have, you know, they have a little time on that before they have to really uh, pay him. But, but, for sure, he he needs to get paid by the Giants, and uh, in my personal opinion, they've got to bring back Saquon Barkley. I know not everyone will agree with that, but I feel like Saquon Barkley is a very important part of this team too. And they've got to find a way to get, I think, all of those guys uh, in under the cap while still having some room left to to fill in a couple of the other obvious holes that still exist on the team. Absolutely, it's uh, it, it it's a good problem to have. Let's put it that way. It's a it's a good problem to have because now you know you have a quarterback. At, you know, to start with, you have a quarterback you can go forward with, and now you have to pay him, and that's that's really a good a good problem to have. I've I I found it really interesting on Sunday. I expected to be honest with you. I expected a whole lot more Saquon than I got. And I found it interesting that that the Giants ran that game through Daniel Jones from start to finish. And, and it was obvious that that they were going to live and die with Jones. And uh, and he certainly lived up to it. Yeah, I, I felt exactly the same thing. I, I thought they were so pass heavy compared to what they usually do the last time that they played Minnesota that, that, you know, for sure Kevin O'Connell would be looking to, to, to stop that and that they would go to a more run oriented attack just to change things up and, and catch them a little bit off guard until, until O'Connell adjusted to it. And as you say, instead they came out and, and, and passed a lot the whole game and showed that they can do it. Now, granted, a lot of that is that Minnesota's pass defense is very poor, but, I mean, they do have some players on that defense, even though even though overall, I think the that defense is 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 too passive to be really effective at a high level uh, in in the NFL. Still, there are some good players on that defense. Yet the Giants just attacked it with their supposedly subpar group of receivers, and uh, and you know Jones managed to get 300 yards again in passing, which he's done now twice in the last few weeks. And. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't want to downplay what Saquon did. He did have 105 total yards of offense, huge, two huge touchdowns, including running over Dalvin Tomlinson. But, uh, you know, this this game on offense was really the Daniel Jones game. And and look. The Giants are going to lose offensive coordinator Mike Kafka. Sooner or later, they no, might. No, they, no, no, no! Don't say that! Don't say that! Don't say that! No, it's it's. No, I, they have, I, to be, have to be like the guys on Twitter who are who are who are tweeting right now. Oh, Kafka is a terrible offensive line coach. I don't know why anybody would would possibly want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like 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 that's going to help. But you know the, the 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 reality of it is, I don't know if it happens this off season, but it's going to happen that Kafka is going to get a head coaching job eventually. And and look, I know that the the basic part of the Giants offense, the guts of the Giants offense are Brian Dable's playbook. All right. That is the that's the guts of the Giants offense. But what Mike Kafka has done with this offense, how he's evolved it, how he's 
how he's figured out how to create open receivers continuously, whether it's with formation or motion or these layered or crossing route concepts that he's been using. I'm just not used to seeing Giants wide receivers running across the field wide open. It's it's crazy. It's incredible. It's like, hey, this is real NFL offense. And and you just you just love what what Kafka has done with this group and, and the fact that that they do go week to week and they're willing to change and evolve and and not stick to the same game plan week in and week out. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, yeah. If you're a Giants fan, you'd be happy seeing them not only get to the playoffs this year but advance through the first round of the playoffs, regardless of what they look like, even if they had the most boring three yards in a cloud of dust uh, type offense uh, in the world. But this particular Giants team, I think, is one of the most interesting teams in the NFL. And I, I, maybe I'm just looking through it with the, you know, through, through, through the, the lens of a, of a Giants fan. But I think the NFL as a whole is starting to catch on that the Giants are a, not only a great story, but they're actually a pretty great show to watch. I mean, they're not they're not Patrick Mahomes great to watch, but they're one of the more interesting teams in the NFL to to keep your eye on. And, I, and to me, it says something that they put them in the 4:30 window uh, yesterday, and that they had uh, uh, their top broadcast team doing the game. And, and, and thank God for that. I love listening to Burkhardt and, and Olsen because I think they do a great job and Olsen likes to show you what's going on. And he showed you those, those, those crossing patterns and things like that. And, and so on. So I think they do a really, really nice job on that. And, and, but the fact is the giants are, are such an interesting team to watch now on offense and defense that I just, just love seeing their games to, to try to understand the things that they're trying to do. And part of it is that, that, still the rest of the NFL is just discovering what the Giants can do. This is a team that had five straight double-digit lost seasons. They were looked at as a team that didn't have a lot of talent. And I've said it before, there's, there's, more, there's more talent on the roster, maybe not elite talent like, you know, like some teams have, maybe not in some you know, that elite talent, but there's more talent th- than people have given the Giants credit for. I think the week 18 game in Philly showed some of that. But what there also is with this Giants team that shows so, so much is the difference that elite high level coaching can make. What Brian Dable has done what Kafka has done, what Wink Martindale has done. I mean, Wink Martindale went against type on on Sunday in order to, to try to slow down Justin Jefferson. And I think that if I, I saw the number flash by on Twitter, I think that Martindale, who, who blitzed more than any defensive coordinator in the league all year, blitzed on only, I think, 22.5% of Giants' defensive snaps on Sunday. They played a lot of zone, which is anti-Wink style. They they bracketed Justin Jefferson everywhere. I mean, they gave up a little bit to TJ Hawkinson, but they bracketed Justin Jefferson. His longest catch of the day was 10 yards. Mm -hmm. 
10 yards. And I think he had three catches in the entire game after Minnesota's opening drive. Just amazing. It, it blows me away. The flexibility of this coaching staff, the ability of this coaching staff to identify not, not only how to attack an opponent, but how to use its own players to their best advantage. The, I mean, the Giants are getting so much mileage out of so many people, and that's such a credit to, uh, to Brian Dable and his staff. Well, you know, to come come back to the head coach thing that we were talking about and you know, joking about Mike Kafka uh, a little while ago, is there a lesson to be learned by the league in, in, from what the Giants have done from a coaching standpoint this year? And the one thing I keep coming back to with Brian Dable is, and I don't know the answer to this question, but if you had hired him back in 2002 or 2004 or whenever it was that he, that he began his coaching career, um, you know, would you have gotten anything like the coach that you have today? The thing that that I keep on coming back to in my own mind anyway, is when I watch all of the things that he's done and done right. I mean, and he's done, I think, almost everything right uh, this this season. Uh, certainly his his batting average is a lot higher than I think any other coach in the NFL right now, considering what, what he has to work with. And the thing I keep on coming back to is, well, He's had 20 years to think about what he would do if he ever became a head coach. This wasn't just something that happened overnight to him. And he looks like someone who's just thought through every situation. And you can just imagine him saying, when I become a coach, I think I want head coach. I want to do it this way. You know, and he looks like he's thought all these all these things out because at every step of the way, he just seems so prepared to, to do something that's going to work out well. And so I think there's something to be said for hiring head coaches with some experience, which kind of goes against the grain of what a lot of teams are doing these days. They're kind of, kind of grabbing the, you know, the hottest new young guy and putting them in as a head coach. And as we're seeing, that doesn't always work out. Sometimes it's working out pretty well. I mean, I think, I think Kevin O'Connell has done a very nice job with, with Minnesota. I think uh, um, uh, Mike McDonald has done a good job with Miami. On the other hand, you have cases like Nathaniel Hackett of guys who look like they just were not ready to be head coaches yet. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I think the biggest lesson that NFL teams should take from Brian Dable is 
Well, first of all, I'm always a fan of the CEO type head coach. I'm always a fan of the guy who doesn't have his face in the playbook. I'm always a fan of the guy who's coaching the team, not running one side of the ball and not paying attention to the rest of it. That shows up so often with Brian Dable, you know, prowling around the sidelines and talking to players and pumping people up and all of those things that he couldn't do if he was running the offense. But for me, the big thing, Tony, the big thing is, as you talked about, the experience and the fact that Brian Dable has worked for a number of head coaches, not only Bill Belichick, but he's, you know, and, and he's got five Super Bowl rings. He's got a national championship in college. He's worked for several different head coaches. He's worked in several different roles. He's coached for Super Bowl winning teams. He's coached for teams that were awful. He's seen both sides of it. He's seen, you know, why things succeed and why they fail. And I think sometimes, sometimes those things, the, the depth of experience and whether these guys have experienced both success and failure is something I think that NFL teams miss. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I couldn't help, but, but, flash in my mind as you were starting to to describe the alternative to to the way he coaches i couldn't help but but think of ben mcadoo who's really kind of like the anti <laughs> brian dable in 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 every respect and i think it just you know it just shows you you know that that you have to think about a lot of different things to be a, a successful coach and he gives you the impression that he's thought about every single one of them yeah, I get I get asked about I, I laughed when you brought up McAdoo because I get asked about why we should buy into the idea that that success will continue with Brian Dable when you know McAdoo had that successful first year, eleven and five, the playoff appearance, and then everything fell apart in his second year. And here's the difference for me. Look at the way Brian Dable relates to players. Look at the way he prowls the sideline. Look at the way players talk about him. Brian Dable is coaching the entire team. He is coaching the entire organization. And the biggest issue that Ben McAdoo had, and people used to joke about that oversized play card and McAdoo's face in the play card, but the biggest issue that Ben McAdoo had was that he was really a glorified offensive coordinator who had only coached in one place, which was Green Bay, only coached under Mike McCarthy, and only knew one offensive system, which was you run 11 personnel and you change a Super Bowl winning quarterback's mechanics to look, you know, and, and that's, that's what you do. You just run 11 personnel and, and you play out and, and you don't make any adjustments and that's how you do things. And when things went bad for the giants in 2017, McAdoo had two problems. His first problem was a lot of the players he was trying to rein in didn't respect him because he didn't he hadn't built relationships with a lot of those guys especially on the defensive side of the ball the other problem was he knew one system he thought he had the answers 
he didn't want to listen to anybody. He just kept banging his head against the wall. And that is, that is the anti Brian Dayball. He brought in a coaching staff filled with, with the top guys he could find, whether he had relationships with them or not. He lets them do their job, you know, and he, he's built something here that obviously over the years, there will be ups and downs, but he's laid the foundation here for something that should have some staying power. Not to mention the fact that that 2016 team was built off of a free agent spending spree. This team is built on a shoestring. Yeah, this team is built off a practice squad <laughs> spending spree. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty uh, much. Yeah, th- you know, there was one thing that, <coughs> excuse me, happened to the game yesterday that I found really interesting. It had nothing to do with the with the game itself on the, on the field, but it was right after Darius Slayton dropped that crucial pass late in the game that would have basically sealed the victory uh, for the Giants. And he came over to the sideline and he was just, he was absolutely shattered. I mean, he just knew he had messed up and I can't imagine what was going through his mind, but you could just tell from the look on his face. And Dable, who, as we know, has kind of developed this reputation on the sideline of really getting in guys' faces when they do something wrong and yelling at them. He's a very volatile guy on the, on the sideline. We've seen him yell at Jones and we've seen him yell at other guys on the sideline who mess up Dable came over to to Slayton and just put his arms on his shoulders and just like I don't know exactly what he said to to him but it was clear that he was actually trying to comfort him and kind of you know boost him up right at because he could see that 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 Slayton had really been affected by what happened and I thought wow what an interesting thing that he knows that or he senses that there's there's a time to to chew guys out and there's a time maybe to take a different approach with guys and this is in the heat of the game when obviously he still has to worry about play to play to play and he's and he's got the presence of mind to say i'm going to take a different approach with this guy right now i'm not going to chew him out for doing that absolutely and dable was asked about that after the game and he said you know it's a physical mistake you know those things happen he what he was quoted as saying was he told slayton to keep his head up he told told Slayton that he made a lot of, you know, that he had made a lot of good plays that the giants just needed him to keep playing. And, you know, that is, that is yet another example of Brian Dable having, having the right touch with players and, and, and being just being in touch with, with the way to handle guys, you know, Bill Parcells, a reader or a listener just mentioned Bill Parcells as we're talking about Dayball and Bill Parcells used to have different ways to motivate and different ways to reach everybody. And, and Dayball is developing a little bit of that. If you go back to week 18, Kenny Galladay, who's had a miserable year, miserable year, miserable two years. Kenny Galladay makes a great catch for a touchdown in a meaningless game his only touchdown catch in two years comes off to the sideline. And there's Brian Dable sitting on the bench talking to Galladay. And of course, you know, just probably just, I don't know what he said, but just probably talking about, you know, 
great play. You might have an opportunity to help us in the playoffs. You know, keep your head up, keep working, all that kind of stuff. And, and what happens yesterday? Kenny Galladay, who, let's be honest, Galladay's made $40 million from the Giants over two years. Galladay's not going to be a Giant come springtime. He's almost certainly going to be cut to save cap space and save a roster space for somebody who's younger and more athletic. Kenny Galladay knows that. There's no real reason for Kenny Galladay to go out there when he gets four snaps and pancake block a defensive back in the last couple minutes of the game. But but that's the kind of effort. I mean, it's a credit to Galladay. It's also a credit to Brian Dable and that coaching staff for not just writing that player off, for for continuing to to give that player a reason to stay invested. And Dable noticed that too, that block that he threw. Absolutely. And he mentioned it in his press conference. He he went out of his way in that press conference because the question that was asked of him mentioned a few other players and you know guys that had played small roles. And Brian Dable went out of his way to make sure that he talked about Kenny Galladay in answer to that question. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I say, you know, you, you have to wonder what's, what's going through Galladay's head, but somehow, somehow he's managed his, his, to keep his head in the game. And, and as you say, I mean, that's the most selfless thing you can do. You're, you're somebody who kind of is used to more of a spotlight and, and being kind of the man, uh, on the team in the receiving core. Now he's reduced to, to this, this real spare part yet. He goes out there and as you say, and throws a, throws, a, you know, a, an important block and a, and a great block uh, too. I, I watched that and I said, Oh, it, it reminded and me. Enjoyed it too. And enjoyed it too. Cause he kind of stood over the guy a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, reminded me, you know, reminded me of Sterling Shepard who for small guy is actually a great mm-hmm. blocker as a, as a receiver and mm-hmm. not all receivers are, are good blockers, you know? And so I said, wow, always oh, a nice thing to see a giants wide receiver blocking someone. In all of that, you watch the giants, Tony, and you talked earlier about how, how sort of interesting they are. And one of the things that that you have to think about is players around the league are going to notice that too. Players around the league are going to notice that. What happens when, when you see things like that, when you see the way that players get used and the way that players get treated and the way that these teams win is... All of a sudden, that team becomes a destination. Yeah, becomes a place where other players want to play, and and that also bodes well for the Giants' ability to bring in talent to continue to upgrade a roster that that, as we know, still needs some playmakers on the defensive side of the ball. It could still benefit from a a true number one wide receiver. It could still benefit from more talent on the offensive line, more depth at tight end, places like that. But it's a, uh, you know, but but it absolutely bodes well for the future of, of the franchise. Yeah, I've been thinking about that a little bit myself too. And, and you know, I think the Giants could have finished seven and 10 this year, which was my prediction for them at the beginning of the season. And there still would have been 
I think that vibe because they, I think they, 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 they have made uh, uh, people notice around the league, the way, the way they go about things and, and the, and what they're getting out of the talent that they're getting, but to finish nine, seven and one. And the fact is after tonight's game is over, there will be eight teams remaining standing in the NFL and the giants are one of them. And as you say, if, if you're a free agent and you're looking where to go, obviously you want to go to someplace, you know, where, where you're, you're going to get the money that you want to get, but you want to go someplace where you're in a good situation and where you have a chance to win. I think a lot of players you know, really want to win that Super Bowl. And if you're a free agent, you've got to be saying to yourself, well, look, these guys are not far away. All they need is maybe a few pieces and they can make a serious run. I mean, I can't believe I'm saying that at the end of his well, first season as, as Giants coach after everything that's come before four and 13 last year. But, but yeah, there aren't many more places in the NFL that look like they should be more attractive to a free agent right now than the Giants are. Absolutely. And Tony, one of the last things I think we have to talk about is we Giants fans know the history. Okay. Giants fans know the history. We've written about it and wrote about it Sunday morning at Big Blue View. The Giants, I think this was their 10th playoff appearance since 1993. They've gone one and done six times. The other three times that they won a playoff game, they landed in the big game. There's no promises. There's no guarantee. There's no way to know, but, that history sits there and, and, and Tony, there are, it, it is amazing to me that th- there are similarities between the last two championship teams and this giants team, just in the fact of neither one of those two teams was a dominant regular season team. Neither one of those two teams was really expected to get to the playoffs or make a deep run in the playoffs the other the other thing that's really interesting and, and we're kind of circling back to Daniel Jones is the Giants drafted Daniel Jones to replace Eli Manning largely because in many ways Daniel Jones reminded them of Eli Manning with the ability to run and you know make plays with his legs and if you look at it it's almost eerie how Daniel Jones, the arc of Daniel Jones' career is following the arc of Eli Manning's career, right down to the fact that in both of their in both cases, it's been the fourth season of their careers into the playoffs when they both started to get some respect from you know from people around the league. And and even I'll go even one step beyond that. Not just in the fourth season of their careers, but late in the fourth season of their careers. Because as 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 you know, in that 2007 season, Eli didn't play particularly well. I mean, you know, everybody remembers the 2007 season if you're a Giant fan, and and you're 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 blinded by the glow of what the Giants did in the playoffs in the Super Bowl, and even the very last game of the regular season against the Patriots, which is now this legend in Giants uh, uh, lore. 
But, you know, going up to that, Eli was not having a great 2007 season. The Giants barely made the playoffs that year if they hadn't really toughed it out in that great game up in Buffalo where it started snowing at the end of the game. And uh, I think it was Brandon Jacobs and Ahmad Bradshaw broke, broke, uh, both broke off big uh, long runs to win the game in the fourth quarter for the for the Giants, if I remember correctly. They might not have even made the playoffs uh, that year. And, and they were when they were winning in 2007, it was largely on the backs of the defense, not, not the offense. And there were still big questions about Eli until the very end of that season and the playoffs and really kind of the same thing to a lesser extent has happened with Daniel Jones this year. The giants got off to this great start, but the first few weeks of the season, it was not really Daniel Jones that was winning the games for them. He was kind of, he was managing the games for them, but he was making mistakes and he didn't necessarily look much better to me than, than he had looked in previous years, but somewhere along the line, after those first few games, he started to kind of catch on or Dable started to catch on with how he should use them or what, you know, whatever, but something happened. And, and after that, I would say maybe, Maybe starting with the Green Bay game, let's say, uh, uh, or thereabouts, you know, he's become a better and better quarterback. And now these last few weeks, he's taken an, another step up and and they're really kind of leaning on him now, I think, more than they ever have before. Absolutely, absolutely, Tony. I think uh, I think we've we've pretty much uh, reached the the end of our show for today. But you know, w- one last little quick comment from me, just to throw out to uh, to all of our viewers and listeners is uh, is you know, is anybody still mad that Brian Dable rested all the starters in Week 18? As <laughs> <laughs> everything he does turns out right. Right, right. I mean, the only thing he did this season that didn't turn out right was having a Dory Jackson return punts. That's the that's and, the one that's the one mistake he's made all season. But find something else that he's done wrong. And, and you want to know? You want to know? You know? Sometimes guys have the golden touch, and and it doesn't always last. I mean, shoot, Jerry Reese. Everything Jerry Reese touched his first couple of years as GM, you know, turned into gold. And eventually that faded away. But so far this year, you know, Dayball has had that that sort of magic touch. And I was thinking about Adoree Jackson the other day, Tony, and the reality of it is that was his worst decision of the year. But he got away with it because Adoree Jackson missed those seven games, but the Giants got into the playoffs and a Dory Jackson was a big part of that defense on Sunday. Yes, yes, yeah. Bracketing uh, Jefferson, as you said. Absolutely. All right, Giants fans, that's our show for today. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, Tony and I will be back next Monday, hopefully with uh, with another Victory Monday celebration for your Giants as they as they face the uh, the arch rival Eagles in the divisional round. Never, never thought we'd get there this year, Giants fans, but but here we are. Anyway, thank you, as always, for listening. Please stay safe out there, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on? Oh, Mom? No. no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. 
Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit MethodProducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash VIYA.